0: Hello and welcome to the After Sermon Podcast, where we learn about a Bible topic, character, or concept. And today we're learning about the nature of temptation as we study the sermon, Temptation and Identity. Ladies and gentlemen, oh, what a wonderful podcast we have in store for you today. We have two, you might even call, classics of the After Sermon podcast. Regular hosts of the show, we have Michael and Mitchell joining us in studio. Hello. Hey. hey. Now, guys, it has been a while since we've uh, done a bit of a podcast. You've had a, a few months. What have you been? What useful things have you been doing with your life oh, in no. these in your in your vacation time?
1: So, so as I was speak? prepared for this kind of questioning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Michael. I prefer not to disclose. No, I'm, I'm, kidding, <laughs> I'm, kidding, I'm kidding. I have finished my studies. I am currently working full-time as a teacher. Mm. And very in very my nice. vacation time, which is, well, <clears throat> somewhat present at times, <laughs> uh, I have been involved in youth ministry. Been cool. Very nice.
0: Hmm. What about yourself, Mister Santa?
1: Um. Well, recently,
2: I discovered that you can catch a bus for fourteen dollars.
0: Fourteen dollars, you say?
2: Yeah,
1: you might need to provide some context. Oh, you
2: want me to flesh that out? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, well, <clears throat> I recommend it to everyone because you can go from Sydney to Canberra <laughs> for fourteen dollars. Ooh. And, you know, it only costs $14 at 5 a.m. That's, so that's not a bad deal. Get your tickets. I'm not going to tell you which bus does it, because that would be... Um, we're not getting would, paid. A shameless that, plug. <laughs> I was going to say, is, would that be the equivalent of doxing one of our hosts? But no,
0: it's just the financial benefits.
2: <laughs> now Mitchell gets about $7. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but in Canberra, there are things to do, like you can climb a mountain. Uh, which nice. we did, which was nice. Many mountains, yeah. Um, I think there's... I don't know, there's a few other things there.
0: Very, very nice. We have a very interesting uh, topic to be looking at today, which is all about temptation and identity. Now, we're going to do a quick recap, but just before we do, if you haven't watched the sermon, Temptation and Identity make sure to go to that link below, listen to the sermon in full, because you'll definitely get a lot more out of it, and of course this podcast will be full of sermon spoilers. So listen to it, come back, and join us for the after sermon. With that out of the way, let's get into our quick recap. The beginning of Jesus' ministry starts in the Jordan River as John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. And as Jesus comes out of the water, we're told that God the Father proclaims, This is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now straight after Jesus begins his ministry, he goes into the wilderness for 40 days, where he is tempted by Satan. And each time Satan tries and tempts Jesus, he questions the identity which God had conferred on him. Satan always begins his temptations by saying, if you are the Son of God. In so doing, he not only undermines Jesus' identity, but also the mission of the cross. Satan tries to provide Jesus with cheat or shortcut options to achieving his ministry. But Jesus knows that the only way for humanity to be saved is for him to die on the cross. Again, in Matthew 16, Jesus is asking his disciples, who do they think he is? And Peter gladly proposes that Jesus is the Son of God. But when Jesus begins to describe what it means for him to be the Son of God, the Messiah, that Jesus would have to die on the cross... Jesus says to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, for you do not know the things of heaven, only earthly things. Here we see once again that Satan is trying to tempt Jesus into a shortcut alternative to the cross. Again, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Satan tempts Jesus, but God confirms his identity, and the final temptation takes place at the cross, where Jesus is humiliated and suffering and the priests and the pharisees and we're told that even satan and his demons are questioning jesus saying if you are the son of god come down off your cross once again satan offers a final temptation a final way for jesus to achieve his mission and get off the cross and suffer and die Yet Jesus persists and humbles himself even to death so that humanity could have eternal life. So what does this mean for our lives today? Well, when we are asked the question of temptation, we really have a choice to make. If we choose to do what God wants, we say that God is loving, that he has our best interest in mind, and that he is wise and superior in knowledge to us. But if we choose to ignore God's law and choose to instead sin, then we are saying that God is unloving and does not have our best interests in mind. So temptation really is a question about who do we say that God is. Once again, it is a question of identity, but not of our own, of who the very character of God is. So. If we begin to see every opportunity of temptation as an opportunity to testify to the loving nature and character of God, we can be triumphant over temptation, and even when we do fail, we can have confidence in our salvation, because when Jesus was tempted, he continued and persevered even to the cross. Alright, so, uh, I want to get into your personal takeaways before we get into uh, some of the bits that we missed out. So, what was the big takeaway or the, the big impact uh, that really resonated with you guys from this sermon?
2: Um, So, for me, it was... I think the whole sermon, it was sort of... All of it was really interesting. It was all stuff that I hadn't really considered before. Hmm. Um. It's a whole side of Jesus' life, because, you know, you think about all the things that Jesus did,
1: mm. and you
2: think about um, the lessons that the people around him had to learn, but you don't spend a lot of... I don't spend a lot of time outside of that, you know, that time of temptation in the wilderness mm. thinking about what Jesus was facing himself.
0: hmm
2: um, I mean, obviously, at the cross you do, but, yeah, <coughs> that that idea that throughout his life he was facing that sort of um, testing is really interesting. Um mm. Yeah, a temptation is basically a, a questioning of God's character. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's basically a chance for you to either confirm or deny that that you trust God, whether, whether mm. or not God's trustworthy. And then sin is the, the final choice where you choose to say, well, God isn't trustworthy. Um, he, you know, he doesn't deserve me to trust him enough to follow him. Mm. Um, whereas following him, so rejecting temptation... Is the opposite of saying, "Well, God is worthy to trust." Yeah, mm. that was cool, and I mean, I, I mean, that was the whole point of the sermon. But yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> that was that was a really cool thing,
1: and it's good mm. that you got that takeaway too. Yeah. 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 What um, about you, Michael? Yeah, I'm going to echo a lot of what Mitchell said. It was interesting. It was it was a really interesting spin on <coughs> temptation. Just thinking about it like that, in, in in light of that, kind of exactly what Mitchell said. Actually, um, looking at temptation, I, I like when you were talking about how uh, sometimes. You know, you think about those those little things. You can say, oh, I, I don't mind being labeled as a liar for today. You know, I can go to sleep and then tomorrow I can wake up. And uh, and it's all good um, thinking about those things that you feel like aren't affecting anyone. Um, it's like this philosophy the world has where if, if something feels good and it's not hurting anyone, then, then it's okay. You can go and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to think about temptation and sin as more than just how does this affect me and how does this even affect the people around me? How does this affect God? Yeah, that was a really interesting thing that you brought out of it. So I really, yeah, I really appreciated that as well. Uh,
0: yeah, well, I tell you what, I've actually found this to be a very, uh, a very practical way of approaching my spiritual life. Since uh, I began studying this topic and preached the sermon, I, I have been personally applying this principle to my life of seeing temptation as a question, and it has really had a profound impact because now the, the appeal of sin looks way less inviting because, uh, yeah, it's no longer thinking about myself. And as you said, Michael, like, yeah, I can go to sleep knowing I'm a liar today or, you know, like my conscience can rest with that. It's not about me anymore. It's about God and what I say about God. And all of a sudden that brings it into a much bigger scope and you realize that your sin has much bigger consequences beyond yourself. Uh To just think that I can go to sleep tonight as a sinner is actually quite a selfish way of thinking about it uh and but we 've all done it we 've all thought that way, so uh I found that uh yeah, this has really got me to reevaluate a lot of my life choices, thinking i don 't want to give that incorrect answer you know what uh if I truly believe in the love of God, then I should give a right answer so uh, it's funny yeah. it's
2: funny how when, when the, the question of sin we I think myself and probably a lot of people think about sin as pretty much a focus on us mm. like talking about the whole story of you know the Bible and salvation and everything is about God who is good, saving us who is bad
1: mm.
2: Mm. and the whole idea of sin simply <coughs> being us and our choices and so on and so forth. But when you add a layer to it and you say, well hang on, your decision like God is actually putting himself on the line. Yeah. He doesn't need to, but he is. Therefore, our sin is actually saying something about God. Mm. It really because you know, it's. I think it's less. It's difficult to do something when it helps yourself. Sometimes, yeah. Um, especially thinking about like dietary things. Yeah. Often we want to just eat the unhealthy stuff. I mean, I do. Yeah. Um, but it's it's like when you've got people who you're hurting or you're responsible for. Sometimes you feel a little bit more. You know, a little bit more of a drive to... Alright, well, uh, let's continue this discussion
0: in our main meat of the podcast, The Cutting Room Floor, where we discuss all the parts of the sermon that didn't quite make it into the final product, and we break them down. So, <laughs> I'm getting uh, Michael and Mitchell giving me some little scissors over <laughs> <in> their camera, <laughs> uh, which translates brilliantly to an audio format of media. So, <laughs> Can you hear the little snip 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 we need to make that the thumbnail (laughs) well first of all uh, I kind of want to hone in on the nature of temptation because I think that will be foundational in our understanding of how to defeat temptation so our first text is James chapter 1 and I would invite uh, our listeners at home if you have uh, a bible in your home uh, it might be a physical bible you can look it up there but also, if you don't have a, a personal Bible, you can just look up on Google, James chapter 1, and you'll immediately be taken to lots of uh, websites there, popular ones like Bible Hub, Bible Gateway, Bible freely accessible to you there on the internet. So, looking at James chapter 1, and we're going to read through verses 13 through to 18, and I might get Michael to read that one out for us.
1: Sure. Uh, all right. It says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from love. (coughs) and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures.
0: Interesting. So I reckon this is a very intriguing verse, because it as first establishes that God does not tempt us. Uh, God is not a tempter. He doesn't put us in, you know, intentionally... Uh, tempting situations instead James says most temptation actually comes from ourselves from within us Um, notice there's not really a, a reference to Satan here now obviously there are explicit references to Satan tempting and his demons elsewhere in scripture particularly in the life of Jesus that we looked at but here James is taking it from a different angle he says look Satan kind of has a A man on the inside, if you will. He already has a mole or a plant uh, in every single human, and that's just the natural sinful drive of humanity. Uh, It's just our instinct to go to our own self-destruction. Our natural desires just immediately lead to death anyway. So he says uh, that's something that we have to be constantly aware and vigilant of, and that's why a lot of the Christian journey is about struggling with... That sinful nature that we have, as we continue to grow uh, in our character because of uh, the influence of God in our life. Um, and First uh, Corinthians ten thirteen is a very, very encouraging verse as well. First Corinthians
2: chapter ten and verse thirteen. You'd like me to read that one? Yeah, that'd be great. "...no temptation has overtaken you, except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it." Mm. So, yeah,
0: God does not actively put us into places of temptation, but when we are, are in a situation of temptation... God ensures that he gives
2: us a way out of it, uh, which I think is incredibly encouraging. You know know what else is crazy about that? Mm. Is the mercy in that? Like, if you think about someone you care about a lot, um, and you think to yourself, well, all right, so what is temptation in in that situation, in that relationship, someone that you care about a lot? Well, temptation in that situation is that they would be looking at someone else, or... Mm something else, something and else. they think that thing is better than you. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. And that causes a lot of pain, to be honest. Mm. Yeah. Like, even just considering it, even even just the fact that it pulls them in some way, that's not a very nice thing. And so I think it's big of God. It's very patient of God. Um, and, like, it's forgiving of God that He would even assist us when we have being tempted.
0: hmm mm.
1: Yeah, I also like how it says... Um, you won't be allowed to be tempted beyond what you can bear. You can kind of reverse that and say, well, that means that in whatever you are tempted, the Bible says you can bear it. Yeah. And obviously not of your own strength. Um, and that's the next part. Mm. That God will make a way of escape, but that you are able to bear it, which is interesting as well.
0: And that's also very sobering because it, uh, it shows us that when we do fall into temptation, the onus of responsibility is on us. Uh, God prepared a way and made it so that we we can't fall should we choose to. So that's also something for us to, uh, I suppose, think about and remember. I like what you brought up, Mitchell, about um, God being very patient with us. And uh, this week in some of our classes, uh, we've been looking at the fact that God makes covenants with humans. And it's really crazy because a covenant is basically a legal contract and the God of the universe decides to make a legal contract with humanity or in essence he decides to be legally bound and subject to uh, a specific nation of people and he says I will uphold my side of the covenant irregardless of what you do I will uphold my covenant and be faithful to you and all the time, the the Hebrews and the Israelites—they are constantly rebelling against God and that covenant, and yet He continues to persist with them, and He is patient with them over hundreds and hundreds of years throughout the Old Testament. So, yeah, I think it's uh, isn't it interesting that even when we do fail, God can still somehow use that as an opportunity to show His loving character, because even when we fail. God's patience continues to reveal the love that we neglected to testify to. So oh, it's, it's really incredible. Um, and just a, a, one final thing on the nature of temptation. In Luke 4.13, uh, which is another retelling of the temptation of Jesus, it, Luke writes that Satan waited till an opportune time to tempt Jesus. He was strategic and intentional about it. It wasn't just willy-nilly. So uh, I think that's a really important thing for us to be aware of as well. Be vigilant of times where we acknowledge we'll be more susceptible to temptation. So for example, uh, it sounds silly, but when you're hungry, I think people are more susceptible. Or when you're sleepy and tired... Uh, It'll just be the fact that your body isn't working at 100%. When the flesh is weak, usually the spirit is too a lot of the time. Um, You know, we say when people are angry, they they rolled out on the wrong side of bed, you know. Didn't get enough sleep, right? So uh, things like that, or you might be going through a difficult or stressful time in your life. That's also another uh, occasion. So, yeah, I think we should be vigilant and aware of the different occasions where we know we would be more susceptible to our own sinful nature and to external temptations as well. So, okay, we've talked about the, the nature of temptation. We want to know not just what it is, but how to intentionally defeat it. So, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're already there, perfect. Um, and we just go to the next verse from the one that we just read, which is chapter uh, verse 14, so. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 14, and I can read this one out. It says, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. And this is language that Paul has already used in the book of 1 Corinthians. He says in verse 18, flee sexual immorality. So Paul has this ongoing theme of running away from temptation, which I think is a uh, a great image, just... You see it and you go you don't even entertain the thought, you just go whoop 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 you just run out of there. Um, but honestly, like that uh that's more that's harder said than done, isn't it? Like as soon as temptation comes, our natural instinct is to kinda of linger on it and think about it and ponder it and like weigh up pros and cons. And Paul here just says, get out of there, don't <laughs> Don't dwell on it. Just leg it right away. Just get out of there. You know what time it is? T- time to sing?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's Greek time. Oh, hey. Greek time. I didn't oh. know that was a time. I didn't know that was a new <laughs> segment.
0: <laughs> Greek break. So, <laughs> and... Uh, Our little Greek tidbit for the day is brought to you by Ephesians 6.12, um, which I will quickly read out. Uh, I'm currently having to write a little bit on this verse, so, um, yeah, I've got some interesting insights on temptation, I suppose. Uh, Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. "...against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places." And the following verse says, "...therefore take up the whole armour of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand." And then it goes on to talk about that armour. Now, what is so interesting about this verse is that word wrestle. Uh, the word there in the Greek is parley. That's an easy word to say, right? Parlay. I hope it's parlay. I'm assuming that's how it's pronounced. And it's weird because um, here Paul is talking about a warfare. And the word for war is palemos. So it would make sense for him to say, for we do not war against flesh and blood. For we do not polemos against flesh and blood. But instead he uses this word parlay. Now... This is the only time in the whole Bible that the word pale is used. There's one time. So we have very little to go off as to what this word means in a spiritual sense. And uh, it's confused commentators for ages. Pardon me. It's confused commentators for ages because everyone's just thinking... Paul, why did you use this word? It's so random. And parlay is actually a word used in sports. It's not a warfare word, it's a sports word or like a a competition word. So yeah, if you have two Greek Olympic wrestlers, you would use the word parlay. They wrestle together. And what's weird is the Greeks did their Olympics uh, naked, right? So it'd be weird for Paul to say, to use a Greek word about wrestling naked, and then in the next verse say, therefore, take up the armor of God. (laughs) So what are you saying, Paul? But it's interesting because if you look at the usage of the word in other Greek writings, the word was usually described for armored soldiers who also wrestled. So the idea was, if you came across this type of soldier and you were just in a hand-to-hand combat with him, you had no chance. He was just too good. That was the type of wrestler. And it was the word used to describe the Spartans. The Spartans were described as these, uh, these armoured wrestlers. And uh, Alexander the Great was also described in this same way. So I think it's really cool that Paul uses a word that in his time referred to the greatest warriors Of that age, the the Greeks, the Spartans, and Paul says, likewise, we should be equally as good soldiers, but our fight isn't against flesh and blood; it's against spiritual forces, and therefore we have a spiritual armor. And of course, with that spiritual armor, we will be able to oppose temptation, and in our wrestling against uh, these spiritual powers we can be victorious over it. Any thoughts or comments? (coughs) Did we enjoy Greek break? (laughs) Greek Uh, time.
2: I was expecting some food, but anyway. (laughs) 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 Um, That's a a very cool point. Um, And the idea that we have any kind of strength against spiritual forces is... Is really it's such a cool thing to think about. Like obviously, it's not our strength; it's God's mm. strength. But the yeah. fact that He's given His spirit so freely for us to actually be strength for
0: us—that
2: mm. um, we can fight and consider ourselves as, you know, as fighting as well as the Spartans
1: or whoever—it's a cool thought. Mm, it, may, yeah. it it gives you a lot of hope. And and the word wrestling as well is interesting. Um, wrestling Think about wrestling wrestling is like struggling you know it's it's always a constant constant struggle Mm. Um, that's that's interesting language as well
0: (laughs) it's even interesting how we sometimes say like you you wrestle with a scripture for example yeah like what does that mean you're you're deeply engaged with it you're trying to get your head around it you're not literally yeah, not literally, <laughs> you know, you're grabbing it, you're going, what do you mean, you know? Like, we often use wrestling as this term for just, like, any type of deep, and it, it, it's very intimate, isn't it? it? It's very close, it's very hand-to-hand, and I think that also reminds us, though Christians as a body, as a church, we fight in a united goal, we have to also fight that battle on an individual basis. Uh... You can't wear someone else's armor, or you can't say, well, so-and-so is wearing his armor, so I'm all good for today. You have to don that armor. You are personally responsible for the choices you make. So there's both the idea of a a communal task that we have, as well as an individual responsibility, which we have to maintaining that. For our listeners at home, they might be thinking, all right, this armor of God stuff sounds great, but... How do I get it? And I'm going to throw that to you guys. How do we actively put on the armor of God?
2: I guess it comes back to that thing. You kind of mentioned it a bit. Um, the idea that you wrestle with scripture. Mm. And I find myself, sometimes, sometimes I will, when I recognize how needy I am, like when I recognize and, uh, you know, understand the use of needy there. I'm referring to needy of God. Spiritual need, (laughs) not,
0: uh, of of pining
2: need. (laughs) (laughs) Um, when I understand how much I need God, like, you know how you have times in life where you're blind and you just go through and you think you're fine and everything's good? And then you have times where, like, uh, pretty much straight after those times, usually, hopefully, gladly, Mm. you have times where you realise, man, I am really lost. (laughs) Like, yeah. far out. Where, how, do I, how did I get here, and how do I get back? I think it's at those times that you really start wrestling with the Scriptures. Um. And, yeah, I guess what Paul's saying is, why not make those times every time? Mm. Like, make the choice. God's going to give you the strength. Make the choice to wrestle with the Scriptures all the time, instead of just when you have fallen. Mm. Um, yeah. That's my yeah.
0: little... Thing. Yeah, good point. Uh, what do you think, Michael? What are some practical ways that we can uh, put on the armor of God, as well as wrestle with Scripture, as Mitchell said?
1: Um, sure, okay. Uh, well, you read the passage in Ephesians uh, talking about the armor of God and putting on the armor of God. It's, it's interesting. Um, I think the biggest takeaway for me is that it's talking about fighting the spiritual fight. And it's saying that we don't want to fight it naked. We don't want to, you know, wrestle like the Greeks and do it naked. We want to, yeah, yeah. We want to actually put on some armor. And what that's saying is we need some, you know, there are there are practical aids that we can have to help us with this fight. It, in a way, what it's saying to me is it's not our fight as much as it is God equipping us to fight. Um, mm. As much as it, sorry, as much as it is God, God's fight. You know, it's, um, and, and you look at, um, you look at some of the. The, the weapons and the armor that we have at our disposal. You look at the, the things here, it talks about... Uh, just look at the practically look at the helmet of salvation, look at the, um, the shield of faith, the shoes of peace. You look at all these things, having, having faith, um, having an assurance of salvation, having, having peace, all of these things come from God. Mm-hmm. Having the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The way to fight a spiritual battle is to use the tools that God's given us, Whenever Satan comes up to you and says, "Are you sure that you're saved?" Helmet of Salvation. Whenever mm. God, whenever Satan comes up to you and you're wrestling with Scripture, you know Word of God, Sword of the Spirit. Whenever, um, whenever your faith is is shaken, Shield of Faith. You know that's um, God's equipping you, and it's by connecting with God and it's by having a relationship with God that you can be equipped with the full armor of God to fight a spiritual fight.
0: Mm. Hmm. It really shows you, as you said, Mitchell the great need that we have for divine help. Because without it, we aren't just walking naked into battle with no armor on, which is a suicide (laughs) mission. It's useless. Mm. Yeah. I Um, think... uh, Yeah, go for it. Sorry.
2: Sorry. Uh, Something I have done more recently. I think sometimes we think we have to feel a connection with God. And we feel like we have to feel good and, and happy and then we're safe and saved. Um, I've had times where I... And this is like similar to the, the whole idea of putting on the armour. Like, um, sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm far away from God and, and things aren't good and so on and so forth. Um, and what I've done is I've gone and basically just objectively... Said this is what God's like, and you use mm. Bible verses that you know of, and you use stories you've read in the script in the Bible, and and that kind of stuff. And you just say, you don't have to feel that you you don't even have to believe these things before you say them. Just start saying the things, saying the truths from the Bible, and just mm. say them out loud. And don't put any pressure on yourself. You don't have to believe what you're saying if you at the time. Just start saying it. And go through, you know, go through the plan of salvation or go through whatever, a Bible story that you've read and just start saying truths. And it, it kind of, that builds the armor, I think. Because it, mm. it reminds you of what God's done and, um, yeah.
0: Mm. I, I like that comment you made about sometimes you're 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 searching for that feeling, and you're like oh, I didn't really feel anything this morning <laughs> and, uh, i hadn't thought about like i hadn't thought about it in those terms, but I completely know what you mean when you said it, and it got me thinking uh, a life with Jesus a lot of the time also means being content. you have mm. that peace and contentness, and mm. what is contentness it's just being satisfied, being at peace, and oh. it's different from going through the motions going through the motions Mm -hmm. is ritualistic it has Mm. no relational and it's just doing the thing for the sake of but yeah we can also have a level of contentness and not have to feel like completely I I don't know you know
2: Uh, I'm not sure the words I'm looking for like Like, uh, elated or whatever about yeah
0: yeah like yeah it doesn't have to be complete ecstasy every single time Yeah, Mm. you know and you'll have different periods in your life but I think that contentness and that peace is a it's a through line that we can have in the Christian life as we see in the armour of God
1: there's a good passage about that do you want me to share the passage oh please do alright here we go (laughs) here we go here we go hit me up Philippians chapter 4 verses 10 to 13 says this Paul says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care all along, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned that in whatever state I am, to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need, because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nice, and that's where the contentment comes from.
0: Mm. Mm. And watch this; I'm going to tie it in All right. to going to tie the audience into at home. Are you ready
1: for a roller coaster? Ride? <laughs> definitely not planned. This wasn't. This wasn't. This wasn't. wasn't planned. Philippians
0: four is not in the script? So, <laughs> going back to worship song and what Mitchell you were talking about about claiming biblical promises. Um, there's a there's a little song for that verse. Uh, I only learnt this last semester from uh one of my fellow students mm. uh it just goes like, ready it's time for it's music time now. it cool. is music
2: time. everyone's silent <coughs> Chris is gonna sing uh,
0: uh, okay
2: don't cough, ready? Chris <laughs> 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 oh. Leave that in let's stay I will, so. I just want to let the audience at, no, at home know that Chris has been cutting out all of his coughs at the moment. Yeah. well he hasn't yet, <laughs> but he's, that's, that's, that's the plan. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, I've had a really dodged cough. Okay. <clears throat> all
2: right, ready, here we go. So,
0: I have learnt that whatsoever, whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content, content for 4 verse 11. Hey. Hey. See? Hey. It's one
2: of those traditional old hymns.
0: Yeah, it's like a little himmy, It's a little, you know, it's a little corny sounding, but it, it does it gets the job done. I heard the it stays tune. Stays with you, eh? Yeah, I remembered it, and it sticks there now. So now you can claim a Bible verse as a promise. You can use it in the context of worship, and in so doing, have the result of contentness and peace. Mm. Hmm. So all of these things really just come in together, and will help us. To, uh, yeah, to conquer temptation. Hmm. Uh, I quickly just want to go for the... Uh, just one small fact before uh, we wrap up. And I, I only thought of this like the day after I would preached the sermon. And I went, you're joking. How did I not put that in? It's so good. I can't <laughs> believe I forgot it. And that is that at the cross, God does not speak and confirm Jesus' identity like mm. he does at the last three temptations mm. That's a good point. and in fact all of the the people are mocking Jesus and then Jesus dies and then a Roman centurion says surely this man was oh, the son of wow. God so we do have the confirmation of Jesus' identity but it's not from God, it's not even from a Jew it's from one of the Romans who crucified yeah. Jesus oh, yeah. And that blew my mind when I thought about the fact that here is a Roman centurion who is among the first to truly realize what it means for Jesus to be the Messiah dying on the cross. Mm. Um, That's powerful, eh? Mm. It is. And, again, if, think, we have to think about this. If we fall into temptation, what Satan wants from that is for us to become despondent and to feel guilty and to stay in our mm-hmm. sin, to feel as though we cannot have forgiveness, that is what Satan wants because he's playing for keeps uh, John ten ten says that Satan comes only to steal and destroy he does and in contrast, Jesus comes to give us life and life abundant so Satan is playing for keeps, he wants to keep us there, but we have to realize that god's love far out far outdoes our amount of sin. One of the very people who crucified Jesus, who maybe drove the nails through his hands onto that cross, is one of the first to say, this is the Son of God. And you even go to the... um, I think it's in Luke as well, the two thieves on the cross. One of the thieves on the cross says, you are the Son of God as well. And Jesus forgives him and offers him salvation. So... There is no way we can outsin God's love. It's just impossible. and for us to think that we can is actually uh, quite proud of us <laughs> to think that we can outdo God's love. So as we wrap up now, I just want uh, you our listeners to think at home the fact that Jesus has done all of the hard work for us. He took our place on the cross. Uh, He took the punishment that we deserved. And all of those sins are the times where we neglected to do the right thing when faced with temptation. But Jesus, in always resisting temptation, he was able to be that perfect sacrifice for us on the cross. Satan wants only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus wants to give us life and life abundant. And he does that by giving eternal life through the, his death and resurrection on the cross. So listeners at home, if maybe you haven't made that decision to give your life to Jesus and accept the sacrifice that he made on the cross, I'd invite you to do that today if that is what you desire. And as well, remembering that once we have a life committed to Jesus, we now want to to say every time we are faced with temptation, yes, I believe that God loves me and that his demonstration of that is on the cross. That is the challenge that we have for our lives every day as we fight in this spiritual battle. Uh,
2: Hey, Chris. Oh, yes i got a question for you. What is it, bro? Oh, if, if I wanted to do some reading some, at some point after listening to this podcast, i need some ideas. <laughs> have you got any ideas?
0: <coughs> what a good question.
2: I have a brilliant <laughs> book.
0: It is called Addictions, A Banquet in the Grave, Finding Hope in the Power of the Gospel. Cool. So uh, this is specifically looking at addictions... Uh, which really is just a prolonged falling into temptation, if you want to look at it that way. Uh, I found this to be a very good resource, uh, both in uh, just a a capacity of helping other people kind of understand the the concept of sin, but also very much in my personal life. It goes through uh, the the notions of what sin is, uh, how people descend into addiction, the biblical principles that help us Come out of that, and then how to maintain a life free of addiction. Uh, and yeah, as we said, uh, it, it is about temptation. Ultimately, uh, addiction just being a continual failing and a continual falling into that sin. So, uh, I think if I think if everyone is honest with themselves, I think everyone probably has an area of addiction in their life, uh, and it might not even be something. Uh, inherently, I suppose, sinful, like uh, compulsive lying or sexual morality, or whatever you want. It might just be a dependence on something.
1: Mm. Uh,
0: that could be like your phone or social media. The brain just naturally creates connections, and so it's a really great book in that it looks at on a um, on a I suppose scientific level how the brain works in addictions, but also spiritual level how sin works and you know what i just realized if you just want a shorter way of reading that you can just go to the mighty warrior website we've got an article by mr mitchell santa called addictions Mm. what and it precisely covers those things in less than a thousand words and this is a big book so (laughs) (laughs) if you want go read mitchell's article and of course uh mitchell is a certified doctor training and uh Mitchell does the exact same thing looking at it from both a scientific and a spiritual point of view and looking at how both of those understandings help us to understand how we can conquer addiction and temptation in our lives so go make sure you uh, check out both of those two brilliant reads and uh well look Michael I want to know where can these people find you we know where they can find Mitchell now where can
1: they find you uh well like um Michael Godfrey youtube it's a good place to start i believe it's linked to the after 7 podcast account and to other accounts like mitchell's account so doing it that way will give you the best bang for your buck the best (laughs) the the most accurate returns instead of getting some random artist somewhere which is what happened when i typed my name into google the other day (laughs) anyway (laughs) oh they're great they're great artworks by the way check it out there we go. Mm. And Chris, what about you? Where can the good people find you?
0: Well, they can find me here on the After Sermon podcast, of course, but also on Mighty Warrior Ministries, where we put all of these nice articles, beautiful sermons, great podcasts. Mighty Warrior Ministries mm. is the place to go for of course. uh everything if you want to if you enjoy listening to us discuss the Bible and if we are in any capacity uh, a blessing in your life. That is the place we can get everything that we put out and publish. And, uh, yeah, we really appreciate all the support that our listeners give us. We really are thankful. And uh, there really would not be a show if we didn't have people listening really from all around the world. We have uh, a great listener base. So, yeah, I just want to extend that. Thanks now. Well, look, uh, thank you so much for coming in and listening uh, to today's podcast. We hope you've been blessed. Make sure to come back soon. We're going to have another episode for you. And with that said, have a good one and good night. Good night.